Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality Summer Series. I'm your host as always, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. I hope your January is starting to kick off well. Now, this was an episode that we did last year with Matt Wiley from Rebar in Sydney. It was exceptional. It's the first no-waste bar in the world, and they're absolutely going great guns. So this is a conversation we had just before they opened. I hope you really, really enjoy it. Welcome to Principle of Hospitality, the podcast. It is fantastic to have you listening along, so thanks for tuning in. Rebar is the world's first permanent no-waste bar, and it's set to open in the newly restored South Everly Precinct in March this year. It's an inspiring collaboration between the hospitality heavyweights, Matt from Scout, and Maurice from Iceberg's Dining Room and Bar here in Sydney. Rebar is a bar built from the ground up to be the world's best, and with the kind of drinks program that Matt Wiley does and is known for on a global stage, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. So it's fantastic to have Matt on the podcast today. Matt, so thanks so much for being on the podcast. Um, how did you actually start out in the industry um, and, and get going? Because I think that would be a really good story to tell. Yeah, it kind of started by accident, really. I think most people in hospitality, it happens by accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to be a cricket player when I was younger. No way. And that was quite, kind of... 15, 20 years ago when being a professional cricket player was a little bit different to how it is now. Mm-hmm. Now they're cricketers are athletes, whereas back then it was kind of very social. Yes. It was, it was, we were always on the kind of on the circuit of going out when we were young. Um, and we got to know a lot of the, the bartenders and the bar managers and in different venues. And when I, when I stopped playing because of injury, um, probably 16, 17 years ago now, mm-hmm. It was just, it was a kind of a natural progression from a drunk sportsman to, I was in a bar, in, in a bar on a Friday night and um, the manager asked me if, if I could help because someone didn't, didn't turn up for work. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of at a crossroads. I didn't, didn't really know what, what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I kind of could have carried on playing cricket probably a little bit, um, but I couldn't throw and, and I wanted to be good. I'm really competitive. So I kind of knew that I had to stop playing cricket. Um, and I jumped on the, jumped on the bar for an event and I was awful, right? Really terrible, but I had, but I had one of the best times ever. I really enjoyed interacting with people. I enjoyed the social aspect, but I also enjoyed actually having a different skill, mm-hmm. um, and learning something new. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of, he had another event the night after he asked me if I would work again and it kind of snowballed from there really. And, um, and I obviously had a few few friends in town, so I had, seeked out their advice and asked them about Martin and asked them if they could train me. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really competitive, so I like being better. Something I'm not saying good, but I like being I like getting better and improving. Mm-hmm. Was it coming from you know when you first sort of started out? Was it what you thought it was going to be, or did you have no sort of preconceived ideas of what bartending or working behind a bar was actually going to be like? I think I think bartending back then was exactly what you would expect it to be like. Yes. It it was much more of a party. There was like a a real party vibe and it was kind of, 
you've worked really hard, but you've kind of played hard on your days off as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's changed a lot since then. Mm-hmm. There's obviously there's obviously a, an aspect of that where there's, a, there's certain venues where people would still party and there's like a, this party atmosphere, but nightclubs, there's not as many nightclubs around anymore. And there's a lot more um, sit, sitting down drinking. There's less vertical drinking. Yes. So the, the, the atmosphere of our people interacting, drinking the bars has changed. So um, it definitely was like it was then, but it's definitely changed now. Yeah. How did it, how did it come about that you came to sort of be in Australia and, and start to do this project um, uh, with Maurice in Sydney? Because obviously you've got a fantastic, you know, London accent. So like, <laughs> <laughs> how did it come about? Yeah. We scout we'd been open for a few years and it was mm-hmm. kind of getting established in London. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife, she's born and bred London. I, I'm, I'm from Nottingham and I'd moved mm-hmm. to London around 13 years before. And she, she'd always wanted to experience living somewhere else. She wanted to, she wanted to live where, where the, the climate was better. She wanted, and, and so did I, I was, I was getting a bit older yep. and it, it was time to maybe look at how we were going to get older and in a different city. Yes. Um, so she'd actually never been to Australia before and, and she was putting all her faith and trust in me. Um, and we'd all, we'd kind of set, started the visa process and we're, we're looking at moving to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of in the August, we were planning to move in November when in the August time, the iceberg guys got in touch with me via email and asked me if I would be interested in flying over to, to do a bring scout to the icebergs and do a pop-up for a night and then mm-hmm. do and even at the dolphin. Wow. Um, so I kind of packed all my booze and flew Sydney <laughs> for, for three nights. Wow. Three or four nights. Um, and then it's on a Saturday, we were doing prep. I met, I met with Morris and kind of hit it off. We did the pop-up. It was really busy and huge success. And he kind of asked me what my, what my plans were. And I told him I was moving to Melbourne and he, he kind of pondered on it a little bit. And the next day he was like, would you, would you ever consider doing something in Sydney? Mm. Um, and I was like, hell yeah. Um, it was, I was really excited by that. So then the conversation grew over the next sort of month into October. And then we totally changed our angle. We were like, let's go, let's go to Sydney. And, and they, we did the scout pop-up for the, uh, in, on top of the dolphin. Wow. And it kind of carried on from there really. Did it, did it feel a bit surreal when that sort of happened? You know, you come here for a, you know, for a, a cool event, what you're thinking was a pop-up for three days. And then, and then all of a sudden you've got this collaboration that had sort of started. Was that, was that big, what you were big, hoping for? Like you got, you get on a plane from London and, and it's, it's, it's still summer, but it's not like, it's not summer like here. And yeah. then you, you like, you arrive at night, you wake up in the morning, you walk out in, on Bondi and there's like people surfing and this, and you like walk into icebergs and it's this, it's incredibly surreal. There's not there's not many restaurants with the same feeling that icebergs give you when you're sat on top of the ocean. Yeah. Um, so I, I was literally mind blown by by the venue, and then my wife and then I flew my wife to the other side of the world, and she was like, "What?" It was raining when we landed. <laughs> it was the weather was awful, and I was like. Just, just bear with me. Let's just you'll it'll change in the morning and it, and it gets you. We, we went to we went and saw the saw the beach and it was yeah. It was, and just sitting there, I haven't taken a meeting after getting off the plane for twenty four hours. This roller coaster of like two months of we're going to Melbourne, we're going to now we're going to Sydney and and now she's 
she's like, I can't. You, if you'd have told me to Melbourne, I'd have divorced you. It was like, <laughs> she, she absolutely loves it. Yeah, she she loves she loves the beach. She loves the ocean and and the lifestyle that living in and around Bondi gives us uh, the total opposite of what our life was like in London. And mm. yeah, we're, we're especially in the last year, we're really really thankful to to be here. Mm-hmm. Was are there any major differences between sort of London bars and, and Australian bars, especially Sydney bars, as you sort of see it? Like, was there any sort of stark comparisons? I think um, so. I think, I think because of the sheer volume of population difference mm. and the amount of international travellers that all come through London, yes, I think, th- and there's a there's such a vast amount of bars. There's 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 five great bars on every street. Yeah, so, and so to to have that level of competition, it, it pushes people in a, in a, I think bars are a lot more creative and they live a little bit more on the edge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, what can be a cocktail yes. and how creative you can be because it doesn't matter if there's some people don't like it because there's other people that do. Yep. Whereas here, you, I think you have to please a few more people. You have to be a little bit safer. Interesting. And plus the climate's different as well. There's, you don't necessarily want to be drinking like stirred down and boozy drinks all the time when it's like 35 degrees outside. Do you want yep. something long and spritzy and, you know, you want to be able to have a couple of them because you want to be refreshed. Yeah. So has that, has that made you think about, you know, the, the alcohol programs that you sort of put up and making sure that you're sort of reflecting that a bit more or are you allowed to sort of pull some stuff from the UK? I think, I think actually it's a, it's a good business model. Like getting people to drink four drinks instead of two is, is, <laughs> It, work, it works from a business sense. Yes. But also, it's mindful of the fact that of how much alcohol people are drinking at the same time. Yes. Um, so I think it, it's, it's, it works in every different aspect. And you have to play to, this, to the strengths of your local market. You can't. You, it's, it's dumb to, to think you can change a city by, by one mm-hmm. cocktail menu. Yeah, 100%. It's, 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 you just can't do that. You have, mm-hmm. to, you have to look at the demographic of people and see what they're drinking and, and then try and work your narrative into how people think yep let's let's talk about rebar and and how that sort of came about and and i want to talk about the sustainability focused obviously um you know i said in the start there about about it being a no waste bar like how did that come about and and why the focus on sustainability we've kind of already been doing it with scout anyway like Mm -hmm. scout set out to be a bar that um, focus solely on things from the British Isles. And right. um, the reason for that is that produce is flown all around the world every day because humans have the incessant need to want things instantly, mm-hmm. um, like bananas and pineapples and all these things that, you know, they come from the other side of the world and we, we just expect them in, on, the, on the supermarket shelves. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do a bar that actually championed what was in the British Isles, but actually looked for solutions for how we could live without the abundance of food when because food's going to run out yeah at the, the, at the rate that the world is evolving we're not going to be able to produce food fast enough so mm-hmm. and then as the time went on and the concept grew we kind of went we looked at it a bit more we were like actually if we're buying something from scotland mm-hmm. which is the british isles mm-hmm. or Ireland, but northern france is closer to london than scotland yes why, why are we let's let's narrow this down a little bit so mm-hmm. we started to go a little bit closer to home with london and we we have a forager called john the poacher <laughs> cool <laughs> an incredible incredible man 
he'll, he'll come in and have, he'll have rabbits or uh, he'll have all kinds of things on him. But yeah, awesome. he, 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 he forages for us every week with things that he sometimes walks. He sometimes gets a, just a normal London bus yeah. out to the marshes and he, and he goes and he goes and forages most of our produce for us. Mm-hmm. So we, we look at how far things travel and, how, and, and this sort of aspect of, of how we how we live on our living off the land where you are. Yes, and I think I think most countries can do it, and especially Australia. Australia is massive, but mm. but flying flying some produce in Queensland is, or driving it through the states is huge. Mm-hmm. So to go, yeah, we're in Australia. We there's different climate every single day. Yeah, and produce is incredible here, but it's also really it travels a long way. So, and but on the same back of that, we also repurpose a lot of the things that we make into food, mm-hmm. um, and we look at how how we, we we're, how wasteful we are as a bar in Scout in London. So it's kind of when when we the pop up finished in Sydney, it was you know what's what's the next iteration? I didn't want to do another Scout, uh, mm-hmm. although at the time when it finished, it was I was like yeah, let's do another Scout. I'd, I'd unfinished business with with what I want what I wanted to achieve. Yes, but as COVID came in, it was, we started to evaluate and it was, it, I didn't really want to do another scout. I wanted to take what we were doing already mm-hmm. and do another iteration of it. Mm-hmm. And it's, and really just another iteration of that. It's just about looking at produce in a different way. Yes. Uh, we're still going to be getting produce day in, day out. It's just going to be, we're just diverting from landfill instead of ordering it from a fruit and veg supplier. Yes. Some of it will still, some of it or most of it will still come up from our fruit and veg supplier, but it will be the things that, a grower or a supplier in the Flemington market can't sell. Yes. Yep. Still great produce. It's still going to be whole incredible plums or pears or whatever produce, bananas or whatever produce it is. But instead of it going in the bin, it's going to come to reap. Mm-hmm. It's not, it will be an element of, you know, is a restaurant wasting, you know, five kilos of strawberries coming take them. There'll be an element of that, but day in, day out, it's going to be produce, from a supermarket or a grower or the markets that they're going to throw away. How, how have you been able to build those supply chains, Matt? Because like what you're talking about is, is quite revolutionary. You know, you talk about it very normally, which is fantastic, but like that's very different to what a lot of, you know, restaurant owners, cafe owners, bar owners are doing right now. So how have you, how have you sort of built those relationships with those suppliers? I think we're, we're the, I'm talking like it's a done deal and everything's going to be plain sailing. It's going to be easy, yeah. but there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're kind of working with our, I think initially when we open, we're going to be working with our, our supplier and we start, we're setting up kind of a WhatsApp group with my team and, and the guys in the market. Smart. And we're going to try and work 48 to 24 hours in advance of what we, what we would get from them. So they, when they go to, go out to the market to buy all the produce for the restaurants they they supply. Yes. They would go and go they would talk to the talk to the guys and go, you know, we've got this and they'll take a photo and they'll send us a photo of all the things that are available to us and we'll go, yes, 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 no. Mm-hmm. And then it will be delivered to us and, and we'll still pay for the produce. We're yes. still going to pay because, you know, we're 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 getting we're getting something and, and although it's not going in the bin, it'd be good for us to give some money back to the people that are, are going to make a loss. Yes, just makes a heap of sense. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it sits within the circle of like how everyone benefits. Mm. Can you 
Can you take us through also the the fit out? Because I know you've taken sustainability as a as a model and thought process through the fit out as well. So how have you how have you managed to do that as you're fitting out the venue right now? We we stood inside the venues and it's a heritage listed uh, site in the locomotive workshops and we stood we stood inside and at the time we were we were kind of working out the layouts of how it would work. There was there was a mezzanine. In already there was mm-hmm. it was an old security office so there's a mezzanine with lots of like old railway steels um and then we as we were saying cut that out cut that out cut that out we need to cut that one we need to put a new one in it was like why don't we reuse that one and it just clicked it clicked yes. instantly with with myself and and the designers the guys from alfred who were designing it Stu and ren really sort of ran with it and ran with it hard and they were like just just let us let's process this a little bit and let's see how we can transfer what we're doing on the daily operation into how we build yes um so yeah one of the the center i-beam that runs through the middle and the upright is literally from the other side of the room spun around mm-hmm. and now that's that supports wow. the mezzanine and then we've looked at our light fittings we've looked at the materials that as the mezzanine is is wrapped in a in a recycled plastic, the toilet wow. um, and all of the upstairs is re- is wrapped in the plastic. Mm-hmm. Bar top is the same. It's all from um, a company called Replas in Melbourne, mm-hmm. and, and we've diverted from landfill sixty six thousand milk bottles. Wow! From 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 our venue alone, and and it's just by being it's just by being clever with that, you know, like what what what's out there and these guys have been been doing it for 30 years yeah um, we're, we're like this must be new you know are we gonna what's the how's it look do we have to fly it around the world to get it and we start to like look and there's, there's, a, there's a few places there's a few in the uk that are doing it yeah and then the Alfred guys are like no we've used we've used these guys called repass before let's get some let's get some samples in and mm-hmm. it comes from melbourne wow um yeah and it's, they they make park benches they make walkways they make all kinds of stuff but physically building a fit out of a bar and i think no one's really done it before yeah we were like how do we fix it and they're like we don't know <laughs> so, <laughs> so we, we we've done a lot of tests a lot of samples we the first sample we stuck it we stuck them side by side to do which we tested about 20 different glues they didn't work they didn't stick well wow. so we've, we've had to Build in a specific way with with some ethically sourced um, wood as the structural part behind it mm-hmm. to hold it in place. Because when it gets warm, it it likes to move, and when it gets when it gets cold, it likes to move back to where it was before. So it's it's kind of it's, it's kind of its own being, mm-hmm. um, but it looks amazing. Um, so yeah, with the seat in the banquet seat that runs along one wall, that's been made from out of a material called Pinatech. Uh, pineapple leaf fiber. Wow. Um, the lamp lampshades are made out of mushroom. The, <laughs> the, the all of the seating wood is made out of eco ply, which is the most sustainably sourced wood in New Zealand and Australia. Wow. And obviously, there's certain aspects of it that you know you you have to you have to put, you have to build it to a specific code in Australia. It's yes. very there's some very trade-offs. Strong. Yeah. Um, so there's there's things that we've not been able to get around mm-hmm. um but there's things that we've been able to to work with the local council as well for instance they 
we had to do a plan of management. There's like this in-depth thing of how we're going to operate as a, as a business from, mm-hmm. from the minute we open the door to the, to the minute we close at nighttime and how, what, if whatever happens, how are we going to, how are we going to solve it? And one of them was our waste disposal. Yes. And, and it's a standard, standard thing from city of Sydney council is that you have to have this amount of bins and, we, uh, and they have to be inside your venue. And we're like, we don't need them. <laughs> And it was, it was, it was like two red tops, a yellow top of, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, that, you know, the score. Yeah. And we're like, we don't need them. We need, we need the tiniest bins to capture the tiniest amount of waste that we're going to maybe produce. Yeah. But our, our idea is we're taking waste from somewhere else. We're repurposing it to sell. We've got them to remove our glass crusher because we as I said, we needed to have a glass crusher inside of uh, So I think, I think we're allowed to waste 27 bottles a week. So we are, so okay. we, 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 we will wait. It's like, it's inevitable that there'll be some waste, um, glass waste, mm-hmm. but we're, we're figuring out how, how we grind that and how we use it somewhere else. Do we, are we working with a glassware producer and we're working how, how we can make glass out of the, the spirit bottles. Do we save them up and make a green line and a blue line mm-hmm. like we're, like we're purchasing already. So there's, there's things that we need to solve in to, to get to be a zero waste bar. Yes. But the, the, the main idea is taking food waste for, uh, and diverting it from landfill. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, um, that's our main, our main goal. We're working with our spirit suppliers to reduce how much packaging comes into our venue. Yes. You know, we don't, we're working at buying, uh, buying bulk and then, getting a jerry can and then sending the jerry can back and then just and having one bottle in venue so we don't need bottles i was gonna yeah i was gonna ask you about that like how detailed have you have you gone have you made it so that suppliers aren't delivering in cardboard boxes and you know obviously you're talking about the jerry can then like that's super interesting you're trying to do sort of the same yeah. when you have there's wine supplies and stuff as there's well a company, there's a company called eco spirits mm-hmm. they they do i think called an eco tote so it's uh it's like a metal structure with a bladder inside yep. and you can, you can have that on your, you can have that on your bar. You can use it as an optic so you can go 30 mil. Yeah. Right. Or you can go 700 mil and it fills up a bottle. Yeah. Right. Wow. Uh, they come in 25 liters and 4.5 liters. So we're, we're going to have a couple of those. They, they only use their core range of spirits. It's not open to everyone because they're, they're leading the technology of it. And, I'm, and yep. I'm sure at some point they'll sell the technology to all the major players. Mm-hmm. The minute they're, they're using their own core brands, um, we've got vermouth from Regal Road there that's coming in a goon bag. Our wines coming in goon bags. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, and we're trying to work on how we replace the bladders for recycled material. Mm-hmm. And now we, and now we would look to recycle the cardboard. Does it go into something else? How are we, are we using it elsewhere? And we're we using it in packaging to send back the jerry can. Yep. There's so many different ways of reusing something. Mm-hmm. Um, and their solutions that we're actually going to document everything that we do. And every, every time we come up with a new solution, there'll be an open source on our website. Wow. And it will just be a date and, and it'll be, might be cardboard packaging and we'll document like how, how we, we fix that yes. for a bar. Yeah. So at some point there'll just be a long list of things of, of the open source, where the produce came from, how much produce we got from that grower, mm-hmm. you know, how much did we save from land for, mm-hmm. uh, and become an open source venues and then at the same time we're working on an initiative of how we how we create a concentric circular economy for bars in sydney 
how do we work together collectively mm-hmm. as, a, as a group to, to minimize food waste? And so we're looking at working with 10 bars to start off with where we would, that we would sit in a, sit in a room, we'd workshop something that we would put on the table, everything that we know we waste. Mm-hmm. And we would, if I, if I'm wasting oranges, Mm-hmm. because I like to use the skin for a Negroni or a venue yep. they use. They make loads of Negronis. They don't, they, they don't have enough orange juice. Mm-hmm. Can, that, can those oranges go to a coffee shop for them to give away free orange juice with a croissant? Wow. So then we're set when that, that becomes one path across. And then does that coffee shop have coffee grinds that they can make into a coffee liqueur or someone can make into a coffee liqueur? So we're, we're going to start really small, and figure out, and so we can create a circle within the 10 bars as we leave the room. And we know that that bar's gonna take the oranges, they're gonna take the coffee grinds, they're gonna take the banana skin, and, and, and it's done. And then we work out how we do it and how easy it was, what's the best way, was it a weekly delivery, was it a daily, mm-hmm. how much did we waste? And we're gonna document it over four weeks and, and start to build a blueprint of what, how bars can work together rather than being insular and and being solely focused on profit with what you do, we can actually work together to generate more income for everyone. It's incredible. There's a, there's a company called Bintren. They're a, they're a government EPO mm-hmm. and they, they, they worked with, uh, I think it's Bintren. They worked with the Hilton for a year mm-hmm. to look at what goes in their bin. They basically audit bins and, and then from auditing bins, they can then go back and look at, you know, did a, did one slice of pizza go in the bin? And if if that happens constantly, then your pizza's too big. Yeah, your pizza's too big. You can reduce the size of your pizza, which means that then you don't have to order as much in, as as many ingredients to make that pizza. So you're saving money. Mm-hmm. And they did this with the Hilton for a year, and they saved them eight hundred thousand dollars. Wow! And that's one hotel in Sydney. Do Do you think naturally, like that's just where all all bars or hospitality venues are going to have to go to to think about these intrinsic things within inside the business to think about food waste and and think about it from uh, obviously an environmental and a sustainability standpoint but obviously a dollar standpoint because when when I when I sort of started out in the industry you know we we talked about wastage but we talked about a percentage we didn't talk about it as a you know we talked about it as a dollar figure we didn't never talked about it as a sustainability piece Matt like do you think that's where it's changing now I think so. I think ultimately, as a, as an industry, we have a responsibility to our planet. Yep. Um, and how we know that we're overrunning the planet as as humans, we, mm-hmm. and the hospitality industry is one. It's like an, a great source of of problems for the planet because of how how much we integrate with the soil because we have we we need produce to be able to open. Yep. From that's, that counts for spirits. If it's a wheat being grown or corn or whatever spirits being made to, mm-hmm. you know, a beautiful tomato that come that you put in a tomato salad is mm-hmm. we touch soil and we're, we're ruining the planet. So we have a responsibility in that respect. Mm-hmm. But I think ultimately it comes down to dollars yeah. and, and, and people, people talk dollars and in the year that we've just had, everyone's going to have to make changes to, to their bottom line to survive. hundred percent. Um, and if you can, and I think so, I think it's, it's actually easier to, to start the conversation around food waste and go, 
but but until we get to a position where I, we can give you figures, until I can come to people and go, I'm going to save you X amount of money a year if you if you kind of look at this practice. Mm-hmm. So we kind of have to be a test bed for something anyway. We have to work out, you know, what's the value of what we're saving, mm-hmm. how, and how how do we do it, and and, and how easy it was. Mm-hmm. Because there's some people who. Even the, even the guys at the fr- fruit market in Flemington were like, "Can can you not put that in the bin?" And they're like, "No, it's easier just to throw it in the bin." Yeah, it's an old boy who's been he's been selling fruit mm-hmm. for fifty years in the market. He gets up at three a.m. to do his job, yep, or midnight or whenever he, he gets up. And he, at the end of a long shift through the night, he just wants to put it in the bin and go home and sleep. Mm-hmm. And and so changing the thought process. Of, I, I want I want that. I want to eat it. Yes. So, but it's it's going to be a slow process, but it's a process. I think you know it, we'll, we'll get there and we'll be successful at how we how we we change that landscape of how we how we talk about waste mm-hmm. and how and how we change the thought process of that waste is delicious at the same time and not something that's rotting and gross that you've cut off. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, you're um, you know as we. When we launch this, you guys will be hopefully um, open and trading. But obviously, you're at a period at the moment where you'd be, you know, recruiting people into the to work for you in this bar. Like, how are you? How are you making sure that people are on this journey with you and understand why you're doing this, Matt, and why you want to really focus on, you know, a no waste bar and sustainability? Has it been has it been a challenge to get people really understanding in depth what you're trying to do here? No, it's actually been quite easy. This it's good. Um, one of the I've got. I've kind of employed like three senior guys that are just going to be work with me to start off with, mm-hmm. um, until we can start to look at how we 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 recruit like younger people to train, um, and how we bring a bigger crew into us as we get busier. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've we've picked people that one understand how we how we like to work, two that can communicate in a way that. Uh, is what people understand and is friendly mm-hmm. because ultimately we're not going to talk about the bar as a concept. Yeah. If you come into the bar and you don't know what we do, you're just going to think it's a cocktail bar that you're going to drink delicious stuff. We're not going to talk about, we're not going to ram it down your face of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We're going to, we're going to welcome, we're going to welcome you in like you would in any other bar in any other city in the world. And you, you're some, you might've left not knowing that everything you've touched was imperfect or yep. from a reused angle. Mm-hmm. But if you sit down and go, Hey, you're, you, you look at things differently. Can you tell us about it? We'll sit down and we'll tell you everything. Mm-hmm. But we want, we want people to ultimately go into bars about hanging out with your friends, socializing, having a great time, leaving happier than when you arrived and spending money for things that you really enjoyed. Yep. That's it's just, it, the simplistic way of, of being in a bar, mm-hmm. and we we don't want to get away from that. Yeah, so you really you're really just trying to build a relationship there with the customer, and as they come in a bit more, and as they get a bit more comfortable with the whole team, then then the conversation can start to happen about what you're really you doing. You might have people who come like regulars for a year and not even not even know because mm. they, oh they just want to sit at the bar and drink a Negroni and a beer. Sure. Um, you know, we, we will still cater for people who just want a beer on tap. Mm-hmm. We'll still cater for people who just want a glass of 
sparkling wine at the end of a long day and they or they're celebrating yeah we'll, we'll still care for someone who just wants to come in and eat those puffed beef tendons because they're delicious yeah on their way back to the train but on the same at the same time we'll we'll be there if people were interested mm-hmm. where do you where do you i know we're early days actually pre-opening this um while we're recording this but are you thinking that you want to recreate rebar in other places or are you trying with your, obviously you talked about before about, you know, the 10 bars that you want to work with and, and obviously slowly build communication and, and ways of working together. Is that, is that where you sort of see the legacy of what you're trying to do here, Matt? I think ultimately that we've, we started out as, as having this bar that we were going to do a little bit of education around what we do. So Monday, not touched on the other Mondays will be like an education day for what we'll, mm-hmm but non, non-industry. Okay. We will communicate with people in the area that if you're interested in a whiskey tasting or if you're interested in how you might be able to repurpose things from your fridge that you're going to put in the bin into food and drink, we'll be holding educational classes. And we're, we're going to wait till we've opened a little bit first and got into our space and then we'll, then we'll start talking and discussing those. But Mondays, we're, we're, we won't trade as a bar. We'll be an education platform. Wow. So it kind of started out as this like, education platform slash cocktail bar mm-hmm. that was going to some waste. And then as we've kind of communicated to various different people about what we're doing, re as a bar is an, an idea has grown exponentially in the last year. Mm-hmm. So now there's, there's plans, all kinds of plans for how we do the circular economy in Sydney, how we grow that from 10 bars to a hundred bars. How, how do we take that to, to Melbourne? Mm-hmm. How do we, take that to every the major cities in Australia. Does that translate to, you know, New York? Yes. Yeah. Where we're re, or a city in America where recycling is non-existent. Mm. Um, there's, but to take, that's like obviously a big picture and how, how we've even discussed, like, is there a marketplace for waste? Can, instead of me, like I sat in, sat in with one of the, another EPA, Mm-hmm. And they, they kind of said, what would you do with two tons of cucumber? <laughs> and I was like, at the, at the, at the time of, of doing prep in my kitchen, because I don't have a bar because we're waiting to open. Yes. And we can't travel anywhere. So there's it, not very much. <laughs> but it, it's kind of got, there was a few of us on the call and it kind of got the conversation going like how, what would we do with two tons of cucumbers? What would we do with four tons or five tons of pumpkin after Halloween? Yeah. So, you know, and this was offered to us. There's mm-hmm. a grower who grew cucumber based on the previous year's sales of what he grew and sold. Right. And, and restaurants were closed, so we had a glut of produce. Mm-hmm. And it, like, why don't why don't we look at how we can work with growers to get produce, and we put them into a market that the industry can log into, and then they can get produce for free mm. because it's great is is cucumber that is good that it can't be sold just just because there's such a vast amount of it yes and do, and how do we interact with the, the industry in sydney to start off with do they have login details for our website and they place an order and they pay a service charge so that service charge is for the, the delivery and the guy who delivers it for you mm-hmm. with a small percentage that gets put into a pot and then that gets distributed with everyone who's given us produce so they're not going without yes and this obviously it's not something that happens overnight <laughs> and this is like this is like a master plan but without without having a bar that 
shows that you can make money by doing this a different way and having a blueprint of how to do it, the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. There's this whole big plan of what we can do and how we can do it. Mm -hmm. But the little cog at the bottom that started out as the main cog, the bar has to be successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have, we have to make money. We have to show people that this is that this is, this can be a way of, of doing things. And, and it's a way that it helps you as a, as a business owner, but it also helps the environment at the same time. Yeah. You're actually, you're actually looking to prove it. And there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that you're, you and the team are going to do that, Matt. Like, it's just so inspirational. Like just listening to what you guys are, what you're doing. Like, I think you're doing everything right by the industry and, and bringing to uh, bringing together people, um, on mass, which is just such an important part of this, this journey for you. So I really appreciate it. Um, Thanks, mate. I want to I want to ask one question, one final question, um, which I'd normally ask all of my guests at the end of the podcast, and and that's what are you what are you most looking forward to this year? And I can probably you know guess very easily what you're most looking forward to this year, um, but maybe on a personal basis, away from this fantastic bar concept, like what are you what else are you looking forward to this year? I've been really fortunate in the last year because of kind of the way that the world's gone, and I've actually had a lot of downtime, mm-hmm. so. If you'd have asked me this question last year, I'd have been like, I'm really looking forward to to seeing a bit of the country. Yes. Um, but yeah, I've, I've seen a little bit of it, but now the borders are re- reopening and because they've been closed, it's the one thing I'm really excited to do is get out and, you know, see rural Australia. Yes. Um, we're planning on, we're planning on doing a drive straight through the center of Australia. Wow. From, from Cairns to Perth. That's a long drive. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're setting aside eight between eight and ten days. Yep. Yeah. Um, to just to to understand one because it's it's the adventures like excites me a lot. But mm. two is just just to see what Australia is. Mm. To see to start in the rainforest, drive through the desert, mm. just just to understand the people just who live in this country. But also just the, that sense of adventure of like being free to, to, to do something like that. Yeah, hundred percent. That's one of the things I'm. Other than actually standing behind a bar and physically making a cocktail for someone, <laughs> which I'm really excited to do. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm excited to to travel and to to connect with nature again. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be an exciting time, mate. I've been lucky enough to live around different parts of the country and um, doing the drive. I did the drive from Perth to Adelaide before across an Alabor, and that was a that was a big that was a big deal for two or three days so um Maybe. i think you're gonna have some fun <laughs> matt what's the best way that people can find out about rebar and what you guys are doing we have a, a website which is um we are mm-hmm. which in the minute is just the holding page but you can sign up for newsletters mm-hmm. um but also on uh instagram is where we're, we're most um active mm-hmm. which is at underscore we are beautiful as always linked up in the show notes of this podcast matt wiley thank you so much for your time thanks mate